All right. Welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today we have kind of a nerd on, but he comes from really the founders of Super Nerds, um, Amazon, David uh, Caicedo, right? And uh, well, first of all, welcome to the show, Strategic Business Manager, Amazon Web Services, a little bit of IT uh, background, kind of a lot of IT background worked at Google before, worked at Microsoft before, and other various MSPs and uh, manufacturers and in, in a past, uh, you know, full of, of great um, nerdy things. So welcome to the show. Thank you for being on. And uh, yeah, yeah. And here's my, my, my first question I want to ask you is because I, I had an interesting, because people know that I work in technology, everyone has this idea of like, oh, you work at Amazon, what do you do? Or you work in technology, you must like, you know, work with, you know, all these blinky lights and in a dark room or, you know, some kind of data center or something like that. So I got, here's the, here's a question I got the other day was, so Phil, I've been, I've heard a lot about this um, AWS thing. Um, Should I get into that? (laughs) And that, you know, that was the question, like, you know, I, I, in the show, a lot about the show is how did you grow up in technology? How did, and I think when you get to a certain age, you realize everything kind of just happens to you. And it's about, did I make the right decisions at the right point in time that got me to where I'm at? Uh, which I'm sure you can speak to something about that, but how, I didn't even know how to answer that question. I said, that's such a, Amazon's such a big company. There's such probably like a thousand different ways to get involved. And I think basically what he was asking is like, Hey, should I go get this AWS? these AWS certifications. So why don't we just start there? What would your advice be to some kid coming out of college with doesn't really even matter what degree he has anymore, I don't think. And should he get involved and get Amazon certifications or should he start somewhere else? Sure. So uh, first of all, thank you for having me on the uh, podcast here. So greatly appreciate it. Um, Oh, and before you answer that question, think about it. Before you answer that question, if you can find a way to get Jeff Bezos on this podcast, he can, you know, I don't know if you can like send an internal email or something like that, but it would put our podcast on the map and maybe we could figure out a way to, you know, give back to the public. I have a a nonprofit that I, that I work in where we, we put up food pantries and stuff throughout, you know, low income neighborhoods. We got to think of some way to get Jeff Bezos on this show. So whatever it is. Um, send an internal email and we'll get them on the show next week. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, a little easier said than done, but sure. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. Go, go, go. So anyways, starting out, should he get Amazon certifications or where do we get started? How'd you get where you were? So um, I guess um, short answer would be yes. Um, I'm always a firm believer that you should kind of um have more knowledge in terms of how to do certain things in particular around technology, right? So whether it be as simple as an understanding of how tools and services work within cloud computing, um, which is what uh, AWS is, um, I'd say that's a that's sort of a great way to kind of get your visibility to either um, recruiters or just kind of build up your brand uh, more so than um, than anything, which is really, really important nowadays to kind of sort of stick yourself out in terms of, hey, this is sort of like my level of capabilities and things that I can do, which is great and fantastic. So um, long-winded answer to say yes. Um, in terms of how I got here, I think that was sort of kind of the, the 
part of that question as well was um I wasn't in technology actually. Um I graduated from St. Peter's now university. Uh, I used to be college back then um with a business <laughs> degree and <laughs> and I did all my internships at the big banks when they were still around so um mm -hmm. uh DLJ Direct which is you know uh which is no longer around Credit Suisse Boston all that stuff Morgan Stanley Morgan Stanley is the only one still around. Um, but I was just kind of bored of looking at numbers. And then I went to work. Once I graduated, I ended up uh, having a job at a 3M converter, uh, which is basically sort of uh, you take um, non-metallic products and you die cut them into certain shapes. Um, right. So I had no idea how much tape we have in the world. But we, when you think about it, tape or non-adhesive material is pretty much everywhere. From yeah. full patching yeah. to Bose radios to bumpers in your cabinet so that you don't scratch the the uh, surfaces and all that stuff. Yeah, your Coke and, bottle. Yep, and that's that's basically what I did for my first two years. And then it was some recruiter that told me about a, uh, a tech company that's out of Plano, Texas, that is looking for mid-market account managers to drive software sales, and I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> At the don't, time. Worry, we'll don't worry, we'll train you. We'll train you. That, and, uh, today is probably the best training that I've ever received in my entire life. Uh, professional. Okay. Training. Why? Why? What was, so, the, what was it? Was it how to talk to people? Was it how to like overcome fear? I mean, what was it? All the above. So they talk about somebody, a company, um, they were called software spectrum at the time, which they were owned by level three. For those who don't know what level three is, they're like sort of like a, the pioneer. Everyone knows who level three is. Everyone, yeah. knows who Everyone that knows. Lumen. The knows AKA exactly. Lumen. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. So yeah. they they owned um, a software reseller and oh. uh, basically, hey, you, you, you want to go buy a, a, a particular sort of kind of license for either Microsoft, IBM, Trend Micro, whoever. Yeah. This is a reseller, right? That can of resell yeah. those things. So what they did is they invested so much into people because they were building up this mid-market business, right? They were yep. they were in the large enterprise space, but they had no, they've never been in, in mid-market. So mid-market would be um companies that have more than 250 employees. No it's more everybody, than. just so you know, it's everybody that listens to this show is in the mid-market space. Pretty so much. I mean, so, this is like an IT leadership show. Where do you need IT leadership? You need IT leadership in the mid-market space. At Amazon, I don't know. We have droves of people. You know, I don't even know how you do it at Amazon, but keep going. Yep. So um, so essentially what they would do, they would fly you out to Plano, Texas, and you would be there for three weeks. Um, uh -huh. They would, first week of training was sort of like what the role is, what you're going to do. Yep. Um, and then halfway through that first week, they started teaching you the Sandler method of selling. The what method? Sandler. Okay, Sandler, yep. Uh, so basically that is sort of like the upfront commitments, walking a client through what they call the, 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 the talking funnel so uh -huh. that eventually it kind of leads to an action, right? Um, so they spent three days of that. They videotaped you at the time. Yep. They posted back that up during the class, 
the VHS tapes. Yeah, uh, well, no, that, at the time it was more digital. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going back that much. Look, you graduated one year after me, so I'm just, uh, I'm, just I'm poking a little bit of fun. <laughs> no worries. And then, and then they started uh, teaching you um, licensing from the biggest sort of kind of tier one vendors, right? So it would be Microsoft licensing. It would be yep. IBM licensing, um, Adobe, uh, Semantic were like, and Trend, I think were like the top five, but you spent an entire week just on Microsoft and understanding how they license each product, going yep. through contracts. And, and then the remaining week and a half was sort of more, um, you had to do um, one-on-one uh, selling to each other and then to a larger group. Role-playing. So an entire role-play. You would yep. do sort of kind of little focus groups on, hey, yeah. this, this doesn't work, whatever. So it was literally just three weeks of education and training. And then by the time that you were done with the three weeks, they sent yep. you back to where you came from. You went on, you know, you did a, a, about a month worth of selling. Your manager kind of kept up to date with sort of how you were progressing. And then they flew you back another week to do reinforcement mm -hmm. on pretty much everything that you learned and then everything that happened, you know, when you were there for three weeks. So I would say that was probably, and that's why I say today, it's probably the most comprehensive sort of kind of ramp up training yeah. that I've had in my professional life. Cause no, not even the, the big companies kind of, they don't teach it in school and no, they don't. They I don't. did, I did a similar, I had a similar life altering experience at a Cisco startup and, uh, um, ironically the the two top people in the company were me and this other guy guido Sirocco. i should tag him in this guido Sirocco and Chile, yeah yeah he went to uh he went to a company called sandler partners so um interestingly i wonder if they pulled that off of the uh and they're a huge level three uh reseller level not lumen everything like basically telecom voice and data um, csp microsoft all that stuff um so Interesting. Great story. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of uh, trials and tribulations after they released you to the masses as well. And you learned to actually speak with real people. Absolutely. There was uh, a lot of learning, a lot of growing pains. Um, <laughs> it's it's very, isn't it interesting when you really push yourself beyond your comfort zone, what you learn and how you learn how to deal with people. And then eventually you kind of I don't know, you come out of the fog of whatever it is, and now you're just like a human that can speak with anybody and you can kind of see through people's emotions and be more empathetic and all these type of things. And I don't think that that's, it's definitely not something taught in college. It's not something that you learned with your uh, business degree. No, yeah, it's, it's not. I mean, uh, I, I think college is more focuses on teaching you how to learn more so than anything, you know, how to do research and um how to kind of skim through data for the most part right um so that you, you have that level of, of, of foundation but then once you get into the real world you have no idea and really understanding customer behavior um not every customer is the same um not every person likes you know sort of your approach so you have to kind of adjust per person not everyone uh, likes Amazon. Some people want Google. Not everyone Cloud. likes Some Amazon. Some people exactly. want Azure. I mean, exactly. You know. A lot of people want GCP. Yeah, Azure. Um, 
So th- th- those kinds of things you, you have to- We'll forgive them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, th- those things are, are the things that I learned, uh, obviously, very early on. And, you know, a lot of sort of kind of trial by fire, basically, <laughs> uh, a lot of crashing and burning in the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. But then eventually you start to kind of find yourself, you start to really understand what you're strong at, um, where your weaknesses are, what you can do from those things. And then all those sort of kind of mental scars that you that you've kind of developed along the way, you try to focus on how to not concentrate on those things, but concentrate more on the strengths and the positives and then learning from those mental scars. Um, so those that's basically sort of what I've done. You know, so how I'm- do you go from such an intimate space? And I say intimate because mid-market, the mid-market space, 250 employees, let's say, maybe it gets cut off at 10,000. I would say 10,000 nearing enterprise. Um, how do you go from such a space where you, where you, when you make a decision or you do something, it makes such an impact to Microsoft, Google, AWS? How did you, I guess, why did you do that? Because these are your last three companies are huge, massive companies. Is it just like, hey, this is fun. I just want to work in one of these big, I mean, you've worked for pretty much the three major, the three major ones, like why, how did you end up there? And how do you, um, you know, just go to work excited every day? And Yeah, I, so, um, so that company that I was telling you about, uh, Software Spectrum was later sold to Insight. Uh, Insight is another for, uh, Fortune 500, I think they are, yep. uh, company. And um and they you know, kind of software spectrum completed the entire sort of portfolio for them because they were more predominantly hardware resellers, Cisco, yep. all that. Right. Um, and you had to get really, it. You can't really stay in that space anymore. It's, it's so exactly. low margins. It's, yeah. uh, it's yeah. low margins and yep. you know, a lot of heckling and everything. So, yep. um, so while I was there um, at, at Insight, um, kind of the same company, obviously, but we, we started... Um, I started more on the hardware and software consulting side. Yep. Uh, and that's how I started to kind of graduate more towards the large enterprise uh, customers where it was kind of like a mixed bag where I had mid-market accounts, large enterprise accounts. Yep. Uh, so that's how I started to get exposure there. Um, I became a manager very quickly. Um, um, and I started managing the mid-market business for um, New York Metro and then I got a promotion for managing the entire Northeast. Um, so again, a lot of lot of exposure into working with in partnerships with uh, Microsoft, which pretty much was like eighty percent of my business um, at the time. Um, but then the uh, financial crisis of two thousand and eight happened, mm-hmm. and uh, we had massive layoffs. I was the sole survivor of those layoffs for my area. So I, my role obviously was, was sort of kind of wiped out, but I went back to being an individual contributor. Um, so I, I was alone in New York for a while, <laughs> uh, where it was just like a, a one man band basically, um, yeah. for like five months or so for those five months, first five months of, of 2009, I think. And then, um, but th- that's where I started developing a big relationship more so with my Microsoft um, counterparts because we, we worked on a lot of deals together. And part yep. of the thing of where you, in order just, to- Just a key thing, a key thing there to just mention, your network was very important to you. 
So the people you build, the communications. I mean, I think people underestimate that a lot. Like the network, the people you know, um, obviously that was a a key piece there for anyone that's listening that, you know, is, I don't know, fresh or new. um, That's a big piece. So this was 2009. Keep going. Yep. So um, when I developed those those great relationships, I I sort of kind of build up my brand. Um, I know I mentioned that earlier on. And my reputation of being a good re- good reseller, strategic person, um, can carry both a business conversation as well as, you know, a large part of that at the time too was sales was just more of like, hey, let's go grab a drink. Let's go dinner. Let's do this and that. So it was more of like kind of more of a, a genuine kind of conversation. And I didn't come off as, as someone that's too salesy, um, but I knew technology, I knew contracts in and out. So those kinds of things really sort of kind of caught on to a few of my um, um, Microsoft counterparts. And then the the opportunity came where they were looking for an enterprise um, strategic account manager for healthcare and life sciences. And I happened to have like about five healthcare and life sciences customers at the time. And that's sort of how we, we kind of developed that relationship. And um, his name was Cam. Um, I'm not going to say his last name, but um, he's now at Apple, I think. Um, but he, he approached me. He's like, hey, Dave, you know, we have a, a role opening up on the team. I think you'd be great fit. And, um, you know, I, I took a shot because I'm like, you know, this is sort of what I thought my next level of progression in my career was going to be. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, was a, it was a pretty long process, a uh, hiring process with Microsoft. And um, I eventually... Uh, joined the uh, healthcare and life science team. I was at the time, this was back in 2011. I was the youngest hire uh, at Microsoft and I was just barely a little over 30 at the time. <laughs> wow. Uh, 31, I think I just turned. Um, that shows you how much the company has changed. Yeah, exactly. So um, they, I, I was the youngest hire there. Uh, there were, everyone was older than me. Um, they were, I think the youngest person was probably my age now, uh, at the time. And, um, so yeah, so it, a lot of learning too. Um, once you start dealing, because you went, I went from having, I think at the time I left like 50 accounts that I had yeah. in my portfolio uh-huh. to just five now. So now you you, you really have to start yeah. to think more strategically. You have to really understand um, your customer, their business, their initiatives. Um, mm-hmm. you, you start to sort of like, and this is where the whole you know college thing comes into play, where you start to learn and uh-huh. apply what you did in college about learning yep. towards learning about a customer and being able to carry a conversation, being able to articulate different pain points and challenges, and then being able to relate that back to, you know, Microsoft, right? Services and solutions, how this maps back to this initiative and how this ma- maps back to this particular sort of kind of gap that you may have in your environment. So that's where I started to think more strategically about sort of how to approach a customer and really understand them and then how to apply that back to a value-added solution that we had. That's... um a lot of things going through my brain right now. One, uh, it just made me think of a, a friend of mine that works at Microsoft and how he was in Microsoft for a whole year 
it was a long, I think a long process, but he was in Microsoft for a whole year and they actually placed him by mistake in the wrong role. Somehow, oh, wow. like some glitch <laughs> somehow, right? So they're like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. They're like, look, just take your time. We want you to talk with everyone in the company, go, you know, research, find out where you feel that you fit in best. He said, I took probably a whole year just having like Zoom meeting, not Zoom, Teams meetings, obviously, Teams meetings with uh, people until I found where I needed to be at Microsoft. He's like, um, it's like, I'm just saying that the size difference probably from when you joined and, and where he is now is like, it's just this massive campus of, of just a massive company. The I saw something on your profile that I found very interesting and would be very beneficial. So there's this thing we call the Amazon effect, right? Especially in the, I do a lot in uh, transportation and logistics. So transportation and logistics loves to talk about Amazon because they come in, because obviously the effect, the Amazon effect on transportation and logistics, that completely aside in healthcare, which I believe is a place that has the most opportunity for technology advancement and growth Amazon is doing some cool things. How are you involved in that? So in, in where I'm at now, um, I focus on healthcare and life sciences uh, for three large strategic accounts. Um, so there is a ton of development that we're doing both at AWS and Amazon as a whole um, around healthcare. So my actual focus is on understanding some of the gaps that are currently within these customers uh, that I have, right? And being able to apply some of these services there. But um, from my end, it's really understanding our entire healthcare portfolio, both from a solution standpoint, as well as a innovation and where we're going standpoint. Um, and I would say from a, just again, if I take off my AWS hat in comparison to the other hyperscalers, one thing that I that I the, the main difference that I've seen here um, in the last you know almost uh, three years that I've been here is that there is a reference for every single industry sub industry vertical in that space where there's actual customers using it for a while. Number one, number two, they're brand customers, right? So it's not. Uh, a community hospital in Topeka, Kansas, or something like that. No offense to anyone from Topeka, Kansas, but it's, you know, recognized brands, but it's just in the entire spectrum, right? Yeah. Um, you don't see that with the other hyperscalers. Um, there's references, but not for every single, let's say, vertical industry, sub-industry, right? Um, they're, they're, they're obviously getting there. Um, now, why just, is that? Is that because you guys make it so easy to work with you? Yeah, um, I, I yeah, I, I would say that's number one. Number two, I'm just uh, saying it's a good. I mean, it's a good. Yeah, it, it's a great. Yeah, it, we. We're, I'm we're not, not trying like, to downplay the fact that you guys have a reference with every single customer. I'm not trying to. There's a reason for that. There's and the reason for it is yeah. easy to work with. I I think that's number number one. Number two is we've been at it for a while. Um, uh -huh. it, it's it especially cloud um, infrastructure service platform as a service is a you know we're we're pioneers in that space. Yeah. So naturally, you know, you're going to have sort of that, that, that head start in it where customers are like, Hey, you know, if I want infrastructure as a service, I want to spin up a server or something like that or storage 
right? AWS, we were the first ones there. Everyone yeah. else kind of created it out of necessity, right? Because that's where the trend <laughs> is going, right? <laughs> oh, I, I like it. I like Sandler's coming out. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> I mean, we're pioneers in the space. I mean, we've got more labels. We've got, I mean, you know, I mean, keep going, keep going. I like this. And then um, you have, and then you have the, the amount of different, you know, uh, we're at 230, I think now products and, and services. So that's the other thing too, where it's like, you have a product for every single need, right? Um, again, sort of the, the, the big Y AWS, right? Um, where how does it transform healthcare? How will it? I think in terms of healthcare, where I've seen the the biggest transformation now has been more of what happened with COVID. Um, mm -hmm. You, what COVID did sort of is is expose a lot of the uh, shortcomings in the industry um, and sort of magnified those shortcomings like 30 times. Well, let's go, okay, let's go top five. So one is uh, resourcing and burnout that that's staffing yeah staffing that's always been prevalent but once covid hit it magnified it that's number one yep number two is uh planning um every let's if we talk about just providers hospitals right yep prior to covid if you talk if i talk to every single hospital they would tell me they have a telehealth plan in place and strategy um, but it's kind of hard <laughs> to have something like that when, you know, only maybe six to 7% of, um, of your patient population use telehealth. Right. So they're like, yeah, we have something in place. No problem. My sister's ahead. She's everyone in my family comes from the medical field. My dad's a urologist, my, my uncle ophthalmologist, my grandfather, pediatrician, my, my sister's an RN, her husband's an anesthesiologist. And my sister's now like this head. I don't know what her role's called, but some, some kind of planning and, you know, like, like future, future, not proof we'd say that in technology future proving um you know uh, some kind of planning and in, in change management or something like that for you know this massive hospital in vermont right so like how many people in vermont know like elderly people with telehealth in vermont it just made me think of that but but anyways yeah. so yeah we got telehealth but uh great can you uh, pull it up i have no clue how to use it so um but go ahead you know just yeah, staffing exactly. well, that, and that was, your staff in general <laughs> that was number one is either how to use it. Number two, deploy it to the yeah. masses, right? So again, the the magnify it by 30 times. Um, the other big thing is that there was so much data siloed. Um, oh, I like silo. So again, where they thought the prior to that, that, you know, the EHR is sort of the 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 nirvana state right and everything's our ehr our ehr is wonderful and all that stuff and then covid happened and then where is all the ehr values that you were kind of pouting you know a year ago <laughs> where are those um so i could go into I, some I, deep uh in, into some deep uh conspiracy theories here now because now I'm starting to think of how great COVID was for the technology industry. I was like, you know, like the classic meme that's like, you know, we need to 
we need to forklift our technology. What drove like, you know, what drove the, 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 the response most, you know, or what convinced upper management the most to do it. It was like, you know, my great lead it leadership, this, 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 and the last one is, you know, COVID. Uh, I was like, it's but, basically it. And then, and yeah. then you had, and then you had more of consumerization of health. Those, those are probably the, the, the five, I think I rattled off the, the five biggest things that, that COVID did that sort of kind of really magnified the the shortcomings, right? It's more of like now you have people that are, you know. So let me explain. Let me just paint a picture for you, the hospital, because I grew up in this environment, okay? So you've got a very strong pecking order in the hospital. And as much as it should be an environment that's very non-stereotypical, inviting, all this type of thing, it's completely not. There is like a hierarchy where the doctor is the most important person in the room. Then you have the nurse, the RN, then you have all the way down to the janitor. And there's another person on that list that's not even on the list. And that's the IT department. I don't think in a massive healthcare industry, like there's this IT department, there's a CTO sitting at the top and with the board and everything. But how does all that, it's, to me, it's one of the biggest opportunities in America to change with technology and going to be one of the hardest and slowest. Unless it you is. have, uh, unless Amazon has some way of, you know, um, and, and the answer is the, I, I'm looking to you for the, the quick answer here to solve all these problems. So, um, I mean, the, probably the, the, <laughs> I'm trying to say this like, um, in a very sort of political way, I guess, oh, okay, uh, political, right. So, um, <laughs> So short answer is, can Amazon do a lot in, in healthcare? Yes, um, we can. Um, but the challenge is always going to be regulations. There's yes. always going to be policies, right? And and that's, for the most part, is the thing that kind of holds you back. Like, if, again, going back to COVID, the, the, the technology to be able to come up with a vaccine has always been there. Um, you know, everyone, you know, was screaming at the hills about conspiracy theories and how do you develop this so quickly and blah, blah, blah. And so it really, the, the tech has always been there, right? Um, data science, AI, data science even... and machine learning, all that stuff has always been there. What, you don't need to micro pipette like 50,000 things anymore. You can actually yeah, put a model only, together to do that. But the only thing that, that what, again, going back to what COVID was able to do is that you had regulations that went down, right? Mm -hmm. You had a community of scientists collaborating, and then you had funding, right? All those three things, right? The tech was always there. Um, the, 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 the sort of kind of vertical of how you deliver the, that vaccine, that technology was always there, right? Um, but it's, you had those other things removed. Right. So, and again, it shows how quickly you can kind of develop something when you have obviously less regulations and less politics involved, and then you let the technology work. Right. So I mean, personally, personally, I'm not a vaccine believer. I'm, I'm, I'm unvaccinated. I'm an unvaccinated COVID guy, but that has nothing to do with, has, um, it has nothing to do with, um, uh, the the idea that technology can change the, the healthcare world. It's because to me, there's a whole, like you said, to try and stay unpolitical, which is, I completely believe we should do um, or that I'm going to do. But, um, you know, what would drive the vaccine 
could, could be a million different things, but what can drive hospitals to give better health care is a totally different, is, is a different subject in itself, right? Vaccines, one thing, case side, whatever, whatever's going on there. Yeah, but, think- but to provide better health care, to provide better patient experience, to provide, um, you know, a, how do we say, um, efficient, efficient healthcare uh, process uh, from, from cradle to the grave and all of that has a lot, there's a lot to be done there. Absolutely. I think, and and it comes down, you've mentioned in terms of like packing water um, in the past, let's say for, if we just kind of keep it to technology in the past, you had a CIO, depending on where, where that person was in his career, the biggest thing from a provider standpoint that the CIO sort of kind of hung his hat on or her hat on was the EHR and the implementation of, uh, of, of an EHR system in, in the hospital. Right. And that's and, only been the last since well, I don't know, since Obama signed, remember, remember when Obama signed, like we're all going digital medical records and everything. Remember that race? Yeah. And um, but keep going. So that CIO, let's say for example, if that was successful, that's what he hung his hat on, her hat on, and it would be, I'm going to ride that wave until my retirement, right? Yeah. And then the next person up, uh, I'm going to let them do whatever they want to do to kind of put their brand and their stamp. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm right. sticking with so, BGP and my routing protocol until the end of times. And if you come in and try and touch my neck, my network, you know, get the heck out of here. So, uh, and then what changed though, and was uh, obviously things with COVID, but then also now what's changing that mentality is, is Gen AI. And the reason is because you're going to have a FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. And you don't want to be that CIO that is not sort of kind of really understanding how this technology can kind of help the health system. And you don't want to be that CIO that is not doing what they need to do to sort of kind of try to implement some of these things within your health system. So you're, you're sort of kind of being forced to really. That could be one of, that could be part of the big, that could be part of the problem at the same time. Because problem, and then also I, what I think would be sort of you, you're we're what I'm seeing is more more customers are not either being very sort of kind of skeptical at this point where they're like huh we 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 want to try it but we don't know where um and then you have other ones that are you know the the more the mid market accounts let's say for example if we take it back to that the startups those those folks are they're adopting it as as quickly as possible because they right, know right. that it's going to be a big differentiation from them products that they develop solutions that they develop right and it's mm-hmm. a much easier sort of kind of um sort of a low risk high reward for them where you have the larger enterprises that again have a lot of legacy systems in place uh they may be cloud but not every single part of their business is cloud and then you have a lot of more, you know, sort of kind of risk, especially in healthcare, right? You're going to have a lot of regulations. You're going to have a lot of compliances. And that's where they start to kind of, you know, sort of kind of pump the brakes. But they are, they, they have to put it in play somewhere. And that's where people are right now, where they're developing their plan and their strategy of where they're going to adopt Gen AI. How I see this sort of kind of changing healthcare is because, you're going to have more front consumer facing services, whether through applications that are developed either by the health system or third party applications that they use. 
you're going to have more um uh more offerings that an individual can kind of pick and choose their 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 healthcare and mm. where they get seen right um That'd you're going to have more of the uh, more of the need for like the 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 sort of kind of mini clinics urgent cares because those are a lot easier to kind of book appointments and be seen. Yep. In other words, should I wait? Primary. Should I really wait twelve months to or eight to twelve months for my physical? Yep. And then also try <laughs> making an appointment with your primary, and it's going to be like, hey, it's three months out. When I literally, I got a physical the other day. They took my blood pressure, temperature. Doctor came in. So how you doing? I'm like, oh, I got torn muscle. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, you're, I see you're seeing the sports guy next week. Okay. Um. All right. Well, that's it. I mean, it was like what. You know, like that, that could have been whipped out, but, you know, I'm pretty sure my eighth grader could have done that, you know, and just sent the info over to the doc. He could have signed off on it, but, um, yeah, so you have, you're going to have technology being able to do that. Um, some of that exists today. Um, for example, uh, one medical, um, which is a, a company that, that, um, that Amazon acquired uh, about a year ago, officially, um, they provide those, those services, right? You're, you're going to be able to kind of quickly see a doctor, um, virtually too. Um, let's so end with this. Um, I, and the only reason why I'm saying this is because all of this is, is making me think of a guy that, um, started up a company in his garage selling books. That's, what's amazing about all this. Exactly. It's a, it's a nerd pretty much. He's probably, He's pimp now. <laughs> he's uh, he's always, he's he's uh, yeah, like probably pretty buff now too. Does what? Anyways, guys, a nerd that started in his garage selling books, and Sears made fun of him. And uh, where's Sears at? Exactly. So you don't want to be the healthcare, the Sears of healthcare. Don't be the Sears of healthcare. Is I guess the, uh, I guess the thing there. I it just it's still absolutely blows my mind i mean you and i are pretty much the same age we grew up in the 80s we probably had a nintendo nes we remember playing mike tyson's punch out there was no amazon then there was no internet then oh yes i forgot I never even at did this part of the show what did you do prior to the invention of the internet for fun what do you remember doing uh, i was soccer i still play soccer so i was out playing sports uh for the most part and um it wasn't until probably because uh, I I had an old Atari actually too. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I played Atari I think until um, I was like nine, ten. Not not all the time, <laughs> right? But it was just you know you had you had Pac Man and you had um um oh my god um I forgot the the back and yeah. forth pin thing uh ball thing. But anyway, oh yeah, yeah. Pong. Yeah, you had you had two games basically, and then it wasn't <laughs> until uh, until Nintendo that you know that's when you know gaming and and all that stuff really sort of kind of went to the next level. Um, you know, I had uh, um, was it um, uh, Goose Hunt, Bird Hunt with the yeah, gun, yeah, 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 and, uh, Mario Brothers, all that stuff. So, um, how much does exercise? How much does exercise play into your life? And I think the fact that you say soccer, I love that you said soccer because, um, well, first of all, I'm a huge jujitsu fan. So, and you're down in New Jersey, I'm sure you know who Marcelo Garcia is. You must know him. Yeah, I do. Okay, so he was a soccer player before jujitsu, but you know, it's um, 
I, I think just to stay in shape, you have to have something that's fun to do. I, I'm just not, I used to run. And I was like, once I found jujitsu and I wrestled in high school, I was like, oh, I'm never running again. Running's boring anyways, but some people, I guess, love running and biking. But um, yeah, so exercise uh, as far as work-life balance. That I have to start my day by exercising every day. I uh, I go for either a run, a walk. Um, it's a way for me to sort of kind of um, keep my mind clear, um, you know, and just sort of kind of move away from what I have to do that day and, and start sort of kind of every morning fresh. Um, and it, it gives me motivated for the day actually. So I, I don't like starting my day without an exercise. Um, again, doesn't, I, I'm not in, you know, I'm not in the gym, um, like crazy two hours, but at least 40 minutes every morning, whether it's a walk, a run, whatever it is, I have to do it. It plays a major, major role in my mental health. Beautiful. David, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Any final words of wisdom for anyone out there listening? I would say, one, I, I appreciate it. Uh, two, continue to learn. Always learn. Thank you, sir. <laughs>